so Gail, how are you doing? I'm very busy and overwhelmed, and that's oh, no. why Movie Journal has not been up- updated. <laughs> I feel really bad about it. I have many in the docket. I don't want to alarm you, but I don't think Godzilla is posted yet. Oh my gosh. So there's at least four. <laughs> Godzilla, In yeah. the Heights, mm-hmm. Zola. Okay, there's three. And that was our last one. Yes. So it's soon to be four. Yes. Yes. I've been extremely busy. It has been not at the bottom of my priority list, but it has been near the bottom of my priority (laughs) list (laughs) because no one's going to yell at me, God bless you, if I don't do it. Um, And bathing is still important. So it's, it's been a busy couple months, I would say. What about you? What's going on? Not much. I'm kind of a lot more relaxed over here i don't i'm Um, feeling jealous of your general relaxed aura yeah things are kind of going back to normal i'm pretty much two weeks out from my second vaccination nice i saw some friends who have little children the other day and we hung out with them and we hugged children it was a big it was a big thing you know what's crazy i also hugged children yesterday I didn't actually realize how novel it was. I held a baby last weekend and then another one yesterday. It's so nice, you know? It's so nice. Especially if you don't have a baby. It's nice to just hold one for 10 minutes and then give it away again. And then be like, okay, bye. Bye. But these are both very, very cute babies. Very squishy. Yeah. um, Life returning to normal is nice. Going to go to brunch tomorrow. Brunch. And uh, play soccer later today. It's a busy... Busy day, then construct nice. some furniture with suspect instructions. We're going to see how that goes. You were supposed to do that last week. Did you do it? Um, we finished one thing, and now we have another thing, which I think we're going to try to finish up this weekend. Nice. Weekend. Nice. Might as well. We are also going to try to put up things. I think I might have said it last week. We didn't do it. I feel good about tomorrow being a holiday. Yeah, having that extra day really, really helps. Yeah. It's going to, you know, make some margaritas. Put together some furniture. Perfect. We got a dense movie to talk about though this week. We're we're gonna be talking about David Lowry's new medieval romantic epic tale, The Green Knight. What is thou drinking? Thou shall shalt drink. <laughs> I should have really prep. I sh- we should have done this in old, old, old English. Um, I have a very common in medieval times, the super berry sour ale. Mm-hmm. A popular favorite. <laughs> yeah. The Dead Frog Brewing Company. Um, great. Crisp, summery, summery beer. Very berry. Yeah. See, so, you now if we went with our original plan of pairing the drink to the oh. to the movie we would have been stuck with like ale mead mostly mead i should have got mead. wine lots of wine instead you got what super berry sour and i have a twisted nice. hard iced tea they could oh, yeah, not be more not medieval we're really living living in the time getting in getting into the atmosphere listen we need this okay we need this. it's been a rough year if we want to drink twisted tea and hard berry sours, then we're going to. We're going to. Especially in this heat wave. Yeah. Heat wave two. 
the reheating. <laughs> okay, so let's roll trailer for the Green Knight. So, The Green Knight is the Liz from David Lowry, who, as a director, I, I, I personally love. Um, he goes between really weird movies such as A Ghost Story and Ain't the Body Saints to really popular fare like Pete's Dragon. When I saw this was this new movie coming out, I was like, yes, David Lowry's going weird. <clears throat> He's going weird. He's going dark. On, on my radar of this movie for like well over a year pandemic slowed it down and i probably my most anticipated movie of the year this year i really don't know still don't know what to make of this movie though thank god (laughs) um i walked out of it we i think i had the bad experience of going to this movie at 9 30 at night when i was already kind of tired and i was expecting a dark like probably violent kind of medieval epic and what we got is a you know over two hour pretty slow dreary english countryside full of vignettes that kind of for me ended at weird points where i'm trying to figure out kind of what where we landed i feel like i needed more or less information need to be more enigmatic kind of like a ghost story was did you ever see a ghost story um fabulous movie fabulous uh, my favorite movie of the year came out. Um, but that was a movie that just gave out questions and had you continually thinking, where this one kind of goes past the uh, unambiguous point of it into a little more purpose and then drops off almost, it feels. And so me and my friend, when we came out of this movie, we are both didn't really know what to think of it. And for the past three days, I've done nothing but think about it. <laughs> So I think it's only grown in my estimation. I really wanted to see it again before this because every time I think about it, I think I have a higher and higher, greater opinion of it. And I really want to see how it holds up a second time. Um, But how about you? It kind of sounds like you're in the same position I was when I got out of it. Yeah, I remember you telling me about it last year. And I think every time you told me about it, which might have been two or three times, 
I just kept thinking it was going to be a Marvel movie, like a Green Lantern <laughs> or something. I'm like, wait, what is yeah. this about again? And you're like, yeah, Knights, Camelot, Green Knight, historical literature. And I was like, okay, okay. Um, and then again, when you suggested it this year, I was like, this is the Marvel one, right? And it still had not <laughs> stuck. It was so it was not on my radar at all. I really meant to watch a ghost story. I put it on for the first five minutes and just like couldn't get into it. But I will watch it. I, I yeah. anticipate actually really liking the movie. I think I just have to be in the right headspace for it. Um, or like the man with the gun. Is that one of the other ones? Yeah, that the old man the, and the gun. And the gun, yeah. That one looks really good and really interesting. So I am definitely going to be checking out his other films. However, I invited friends to this. Four of us went to see it. Not at nine. We went at seven. Good. Um, and I really felt like I needed some context to what this was going to be about because I just yeah. continually throughout the movie was saying like what is going on there was like if I had read the actual poem that this is based on I would have had much more structure for what was happening like I I feel like I typically am able to follow plot lines but I truly did not know what the fuck was going on <laughs> like like the yeah. actual the whole even the the start the whole stakes of the game um i didn't completely understand and i didn't really understand that the mother had conjured this as like a test for her son and i didn't mm -hmm. even feel like the old english type was on the screen enough long enough to read it because of how ornate it was so i wasn't even getting like the chapter headlines in some yeah. cases because the screen was so big that I was like wait what and then it would like flash off um it's also one of those movies that never starts by saying the green knight it like starts by like edging you in and giving you these yeah. kind of like titles of what's happening and of course ends with the green knight where it's kind of trying to like feed you little bits of historic lore but without and, and we should also say the movie goes far beyond the original poem of mm -hmm. Gawain. Gawain? Gawain. 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 We're going to butcher it so many times. His original quest and his original trial. So mm -hmm. they've packed in what seems like some really interesting um, historical, I don't know what to call them, like lore, you know, stories, into this idea of his like um, adventures, but without a baseline it just felt almost like a dream sequence like to your point of it being long and slow like it is and without a tether to tether you to what is really happening and the stakes of what's going on it just kind of feels like an like a acid trip dream yeah the movie it you know this is me as a viewer and this is my problem but i i think i was ready for a more narrative experience yes than a um, morality fable yeah and the ambiguity that just is let loose because of that and so while i'm trying to piece things together and, I, and i'm willing to admit adventure films are my favorite types of films people have to go to point a to point b and they see a lot of things in between where they're new and fantastical and not what we expect which is exactly this movie i'm trying to put that into a more narrative physical context and this movie you know it it's there but it doesn't really care too much about it it's more about 
a lot of other things that kind of, as I, you know, see where we end and now I'm backtracking to things. I'm like, okay, 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 okay. This all makes more, more sense, which is why I actually really look forward to going to see this movie again, because I think it'll kind of like you implied now that I know the context of it, I'm going to get a lot more out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Consequently, I'm actually quite excited to kind of talk it through with you and just see what you thought of these different things. So, if you don't mind, shall we just start at the beginning? Sure. So it has this opening, a provocative opening, of him with the crown and the narrative on screen. And I really like this opening. I really like how, you know, his head goes on fire. It's, you know, provocative imagery. But the narrative is just saying like, hey, this isn't a tale of King Arthur. This isn't a tale of like the Knights of the Round Table. And at the beginning, when I first saw it, I thought like, okay, this is going in line of like the gritty, the, it's going to be violent. It's going to yeah. be not of Knights and Chivalry, thinking of it's going to be something a little bit grimier than your average tale. And not till later that I realized, oh, they're not even talking about Honor is on trial here. Everything these stories are about is what we're against. And that was... That's the thing where it seems like I go back to everything and it's not quite the meaning I had prescribed to it at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we, of course, have that whole introduction of the Green Knight, him partying and everything like that. How did you feel about the opening? I felt like it didn't, knowing, I mean, I'm skipping ahead like a tiny bit, but knowing now that he is, I guess, you know, sort of of a royal bloodline and mm-hmm. the mother and the king expect him to have had a certain level of experience and worldly travel by the time he may or may not, like, had it, was he always meant to take the throne? I feel like maybe not, because at the Christmas time feast, where he goes there is a seat to you know he's never named king arthur but obviously king arthur his right that is normally i think they say by the prince but the prince is not there so whether he's recently deceased is i think the implication or off maybe fighting the war that apparently was happening or something like that but yeah i got i got the feeling that he is of a bloodline and maybe not necessarily that he was expected to do these things. I kind of got the feel that, you know, well, up to the point where they see all like the remnants of a battle that happened, that this was a place in somewhat peacetime Mm -hmm. where people had these legends about them that were done during turmoil and war. And they got these greater than, um, greater than life images around them kind of really defined by King Arthur, who's now played by a great Sean Harris. Oh my God, love him. So good. Who's older now and a little bit more frail and a little bit wiser. He's not the King Arthur you would expect in his prime and leading people into war. Yeah. So you, I think it's you know, a little bit farther away from the standard Knights of the Round Table into a time where, you know, he doesn't really maybe have the opportunity to have a legend around him. Mm-hmm. where he 
they live in comfort now in this castle and he can just go around and drinking and womanizing and living a life of excess that um because what else is he going to do he hasn't been forced to go to war or do anything like that yeah i think that was what kind of confused me like, like when i was in the theater actually trying to figure it out like if he was the king's nephew i guess because mm-hmm. the king the king's sister and he's like it seemed like they had never spoken you know like he'd never yeah it just gave this feeling of um honestly dev patel right yeah um being almost like a nobody like being of royal blood but being maybe just kind of like you know way way off the line of inheritance and kind of just enjoying you know like you're saying non-wartime whorehouse you know no worries Mm -hmm. and so when the actual point came where there's the the simultaneous scene of the green knight coming and the mother performing witchcraft in the tower Mm -hmm. i i couldn't I wasn't 100% sure that she sent him, that she conjured this, or whether or not she was trying to protect him from something that was coming that she knew would come on that day. So I wasn't even set up with the premise of it being a trial set by her and him, which I think mm. is the true story. And so that that just got right off the bat to a strange place because the it's king... It's an whisper- odd trial. The king whispers to him, it's, it's just a game. Yeah, And I mean, we can get to this at the end because I feel like this trial really goes in a weird place at the end. But um, I didn't feel like it set me up with the true situation. I was actually just really now knowing it. I just felt like it needed to be done differently. Although I did love that, like the scene of the Green Knight coming in of him talking Mm -hmm. of the head of that whole scene. I actually really enjoyed. It's it it is. It's a great scene. And yeah, there's this that's one of those scenes where I was kind of talking about where I don't really know I needed more or less information at the time Mm -hmm. when she when she summoned the green knight she created this green knight um you know Wayne's mother did um there's a whole ritual and she sends him to basically test Gawain knowing that he would take it up and you don't really know why it's not obvious why. And no. he fails the test so poorly, you don't you still don't know why this test was beset upon him at Does the time. Does he fail it? I think so. What really? Oh my god, I can't I mean, really? Um I think well, I think there's a, a sadness among the king and queen when he decides to behead the Green Knight. So what is the test? Oh so oh sorry, sorry. You're talking about just fails the test of Oh, yeah, yeah. Fails the test at that point. The test was not to kill him. Why not? That's a good question. Because he asks for it. Well, he asks a nick or a fatal blow. I will return that to you in a year. Yeah. And so I think... It could be a test of of mercy, of confidence. Right. But I think... And I think this kind of goes back to the kind of movie's idea that myths are, A, so far out of our control and often beset by perhaps arrogance. Okay. That Got it. him doing that now 
starts a chain of events. It starts a chain of events. Yeah. Yeah. So the, yeah. So the idea is they conjured him in a way for him to reflect on the kind of person that he is and what he would Mm -hmm. dole out in that kind of game. Yeah. And even if he had them, I don't, I don't think his, you know, his mother prepared for that. (laughs) She later on gives him all the tools he will need to not die in this journey. But yeah, and I think I think the moment it's one of my favorite moments of the movie where right before the Green Knight comes where he's asked by the king, you know, tell me a story about you. Mm-hmm. That that's as if that's like the currency of the people in the on the upper class where, you know, you don't have a story to tell yet. Yeah. And that certainly means... of the round table or, you know, when he mm-hmm. says, Look around, what do you see? He's like legends. Yeah. Like not to the level of the people that he's in a com- yeah his company, and it makes it it makes also you know Gawain feel like a bit of an outsider in that realm. Yeah, the way he sheepishly comes up to the king like me, you've never asked for me. Why would you ask for me? I'm a nobody. Yeah, even though he's of royal lineage right now, and yeah. you know wherever second or third down the line of the throne. Yeah, he's still like, but I have no I have no cachet here yeah yeah so So, yeah i absolutely love that scene and then what do you think of his first trial with the so yeah so like who's the boy like what before i get to the boy there's one thing i do want to point out that i also loved in and i think it kind of goes to the idea of how myths are done which kind of goes on later in the movie kind of comes back i love how he's ashamed by his myths in the year between him leaving again and the original like him yep. quote unquote killing the green knight the like puppet plays are being put on about oh sir gawain kills this gr- lumbering giant knight mm-hmm. it becomes like a thing where people are talking about it because it's you know as a, some heroic thing when he knows it wasn't yeah. He just, the guy didn't, he was expecting the man to Fight him. strike him back or something. Yeah. And he avoids it. He's ashamed by it. And it kind of goes to, goes to set how, you know, myths aren't, aren't necessarily what we do. It's just the story being told afterwards. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so he, he is he's encouraged to go out yeah the king was like no you have to it's your honor yeah you must make this journey um his mom gives him a a sash or a girdle of protection Mm -hmm. nothing bad will happen to you while you have this you can't die yeah and that's kind of her plan like all right well you you killed him you have to go there but wear this you'll be fine yeah and you know you'll have the story and so, yeah, first off, he comes to a battlefield and meets a bandit, a little boy, played by the great Barry Keoghan, who oh, yeah. just plays the... Nails it. What was uh, he? What has he been in last? Um, the two major things people would know him from were, one is his breakout performance in The Killing of a Sacred Deer, the Yorgos Lanthimos film. Oh, called, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Who plays the, the boy. And yeah. also he was... Um, he was one of the boys on the boat in Dunkirk. Oh, yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. He looked super familiar. I couldn't place him. Yeah, he's been around and he played such a such a great little creep. Oh damn, Just he's good. He stole the screen. Get... Like like even yeah. that, yeah. 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 And then he kind of gets screwed by him essentially. <laughs> Set yeah. up. And and there's I just I mean aside from you know Barry Kogan's performance which is just so good, yeah there's two really inter- like one obviously he says like oh you know I hear that the king killed nine hundred people here like and you know the king is sickly and frail mm-hmm. and can't do that it's kind of re- like how m- the mythology of things that go around and the tales we tell are so far out of our control. And I found that kind of a really interesting through line throughout the entire movie yeah. after I had seen the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. now that you're saying it. it, it is really interesting how often that idea came up. And and the other thing I noticed was how this was how often he takes the easy road. Yeah. It seemed like his entire life was the easy road. Like yeah. he lived in royalty. He never wanted for anything. He spent it boozing and womanizing. And now he's in this situation where the boy's like, yeah, you just go this way. He's like, thank you. Bye. Yeah. It doesn't double, doesn't like consider that he could be lying or set up or anything. He's like, sure. Why not? Yeah. I'll just follow. This oh, that's group. an easier road. It'll get me there quicker. Cool. Great. Cool. Yeah. And how it so horribly backfires on him. Yeah. Yeah. As and if he he thought nothing bad could happen to him. Yeah, and that scene is good. I I liked the ambush. I liked the like slow three sixty pan around to him dying. Um yeah. or the the corpse, the the yeah, the bones. His potential future. His potential yeah, and and then three sixty again to him like realizing he has full control of his destiny and can a hundred percent not just lie there to die um so yeah i think that scene i mean i didn't understand why he didn't take the sword when he left but that's fine i don't understand either but they got the i guess he got the axe which is what he wanted but he didn't have it in that moment he was like chasing after the guy who had stolen all his shit and he left the sword there Sword, oh, does like, he does leave the sword. Yeah, yeah. He cuts his his binds, and then he runs after them and leaves it. And I was like, "That seems dumb." Dude, take Dude. the sword. Take the always take the sword. That's how you ended up in this situation. Um, and then I think what what happens next is probably my favorite scene of the or my favorite like fable within of the house. Yeah, yeah. He finds um, about the sword though. What I think is in I think that now that you mention it, it's a really interesting point because it bring it almost calls back to the scene before where he takes on the Green Knight's challenge and there's that point of embarrassment where he's like, well, I don't have a sword. Yeah. Someone please lend me their sword because I don't actually own one Yeah. because I've never had to use one. Maybe had lessons once upon a time, but that befits a royal. Yeah. And I think that's a really interesting point you made that he didn't take it probably because he's never he doesn't register it as something that's his or something he's ever had to use or something or anything that he like needs. That. Yeah. Maybe yeah. like, I mean, it that seems he... intentional mm-hmm. um, and strange, but yeah. But yeah, the house is 
one of my favorite sequences. It's very creepy and yeah. it makes sense and it feels like a ch- like a challenge. There's a very clear message, I guess, when I watched that from him just needing a place to rest and going into the bed. And when he wakes up and there's someone there, you're very not sure if it's like dream state or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very creepy. And she tells the story about how she's looking for her head. And I think that's based in an old story about a, a similar situation. And yeah. yeah, there's this great sequence of him diving to the bottom of a spring to catch her head and, you know, then when he tries yeah. to put it back on, it turns to life in his hands, or it turns from a skull to a living, speaking head mm-hmm. in his in his hands. And there's a few like interesting moments in there where he tries to almost like bargain for getting something for doing the job, where he's like, "What are yeah. you going to give me?" Or I can't remember exact words, but she asks him to dive down to to retrieve her head. And after she's been put in like an obviously very shitty situation where she was either like. Um, like attacked by a man or forced, you know, into some kind of sexual situation with a guy and was killed. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, what will you give me or what do I get for doing this for you? And she's like, why would you ask me that? Like, why would you yeah. ever ask me that? And it, it's such a slap in the face of like honor and, <laughs> and courage yeah. and what a knight or a person like that is supposed to be is like, you want, you're not going to do this for someone unless you get something from it. Um. Mm-hmm. And so I, I thought that spoke to like what I was trying to see is like an underlying, like him trying to prove himself on the journey, like starting from like a very naive, inexperienced person and what I thought was going to be like, you know, a journey of himself throughout the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one felt like just a very clear uh, wrapped up story. He does it. He replaces the head and is rewarded with the axe, which gets the axe back. Is interesting somehow. because. Yeah, so then it made me think, yeah, like, obviously the boy didn't come back and place the axe there. And then it made me think, like, is this whole trial, like, a manifestation? Like, was the boy real? She's clearly a a ghost. He's he's flipping between seeing her as a ghost and as, or as, like, a corpse and as a, a human woman. Like, is this all some kind of, like, projection of his mother to put him through it? Because it's clearly not, I mean, and we can go into the next trials, too. They're not real people no they're it's a very it's in it's interesting because if you look at the movie as having three major encounters the bandits the the girl and the the manor mm-hmm. um the bandits could 100 percent be real they it's portrayed as that you would take it as that at face value yeah. the the girl is 100 percent supernatural mm-hmm. she's a ghost and then the hunter and the lady are somewhere in between but i don't think you can you can't they're definitely not real they're 100 not real no but you you don't quite know for a little bit mm-hmm. and i think given that information you kind of have to go back to that first bandit scene and be like barry Kilkin's playing such like He's a trickster. Yes. That's what he feels like. He feels like not someone who would, he seems a little too calm, a little too confident mm-hmm. for someone who's scrounging a battlefield for corpses. Mm-hmm. He and feels like a his, more of a entity. Like his tokens on his necklace, mm-hmm. like all the rings and things of dead people. Like he's, 
he's i definitely prizes more than yeah just yeah the trade yeah and i i agree i felt like he was the most real but then you also have like the fox accompanying him which is like is like a typical archetype of a trickster and mm-hmm. you know he's not your guide usually when a fox appears no. and i mean certainly i mean you can go i don't know when i saw the, the castle and the fact that alicia vikander was played by she was playing the person again i'm like well this is clearly not real it's clearly not real like as soon as i saw her so then i kind of viewed that whole second and third act as starting to get into like dream state like it being all like a a mystical tale Mm -hmm. um so yeah that confused me at the beginning but i think when you look at it as kind of like a a trial organized by his mother, who mm-hmm. I think we are, those in, who know anything about Arthurian lore, would be Morgana, the, the witch. Yeah, I needed like a really quick Cole's notes <laughs> before starting people. this. Like I started to read it and I'm like, Morgana is who? She's trained by Merlin. And then I just remembered how much I fucking hate Camelot and Knights. And I was like, <laughs> I never should have seen this movie. Like I was set up to fail. Like this is my least favorite genre. It has like so much invested in it for people who do know this story. And I was just like massively underprepared, but continue. continue. But yeah, like she's notoriously, you know, evil. Got Although it. she's not really portrayed as evil. She's just portrayed as a witch who's mm-hmm. setting up this challenge for her, her son to prove himself, I guess. Become worthy of a crown, I guess. Because, you know. That's what you do. <laughs> it's, the, it's a very modern thing where it's like, you got son, you're old. You gotta get your act together. Mm-hmm. I'm kicking you out of the house. Go make your own way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where especially when she he comes back on like Christmas morning, and he's like, you know, I've definitely been at church. No problem. I don't smell like sweat and alcohol right now. Probably for the tenth year in a row. <laughs> and then, yeah. So after that, he gets his act back. And after a little bit of struggling without food or really anything, him and his fox that follows him around just at a happenstance, because he showed it kindness, um, arrive at this manor in the middle of nowhere. Quick sidebar. Can sidebar. you explain to me the giants? No, I can't. <laughs> and we'll leave that there. Just straight up, I cannot. See, this is where, um, I don't know if you, you were referencing something like this when you said you needed more or less. I needed, like, it felt like the head sequence was good, albeit a little long, but the the giant sequence, like, I couldn't even understand what they were saying, although I guess you aren't supposed to understand no, what they're saying. No, they're just singing, kind of like whales, I guess, in the I feel like one of them, the he says something to one of them and it like tries to respond, but it's like in- intelligible, but. It's just like a whale. Yeah, but like what, like why put it, like what? I don't understand the giants. I haven't looked in deep enough to really kind of give it. And even if there, it is based in some kind of like trial that he encountered, it just, there wasn't enough of it. And it was so unfortunate because I think it, it was such a striking sequence visually. Yeah, it's um, a very interesting sequence. And he's also just, like, had the mushrooms that made him throw up, so you don't know if it's, like, fully just, like, he's tripping. But it was, it just felt, it just, it 
in a movie where you're always kind of trying to like grapple with is it real or is it not and then to just have that thrown in there without context and without him getting anything out of it like I thought maybe it was him you know he like you said he's really struggling he doesn't know where to go he has no food he's kind of like on the tail end of motivation to finish this quest in any way you know he thinks he's probably close to death and he's just like asking them where they're going like he wants help like from someone else to help him and then they are on their own path and so they don't so this is just like a trial or something to i don't know see how he would respond it just seemed very strange it seemed very strange and i initially thought it had more to do with like how as he's getting farther away from the castle the world is becoming more fantastical because these you know these fables are all supernatural and you know these things the knights do and everything like that are all not of this realm which make them you know fantastical tales for the commoners and everything like that and as he goes farther away, he's seeing more things that are out of the ordinary that would never happen in his grimy, realistic, dungy castle. Yeah. You know, he's seeing something on the outside world that only people who dare travel in five days, not even that far, yeah, but like travel out there would see. But yeah, it's something that kind of comes and goes. And outside of just the general... mythical nature of it yeah no i have no i have no understanding of the giant so far <laughs> that's too bad they kind of had like bad. creator vibes to me you know like as their hands like grip they were almost yeah. like stone or something and as they grip and yeah i totally had felt the same thing as you is like like otherworldly but like it'd be yeah i don't know it'd be cool if they're like you know creators of the world or something and he's trying to like delve meaning from his chance encounter with them like why is he here what is the point of living like you know that kind of thing yeah there's all these big questions of life and yeah death and and that is just yeah something that just is just left there yeah it's not quite like even if i got like 10 percent more like one line or something like that mm -hmm. where i could like a, as like a handhold i could be like okay we're talking about no handholds in this film no hand. Very, Zero. very few hands. And for a movie that felt Zero in that screen. long that and was very, like, there wasn't a clear, like, first and second act. It's just, like, journey A to B. Mm -hmm. Just take that whole scene out. Like, it's cool. But, like, you almost need, I mean, we're about to get to it. But even in the poem, like, there's, like, three days at the castle. And each day it builds on the day before it to try to teach him this lesson. You know, it's, like, the rule of mm -hmm. thirds and all these, like, older tales. Yeah. And it, it kind of makes sense with like the bandits and the house and then that being three acts. But then you throw this in, it's just like, oh, they're just throwing in experiences like left, right and center. And it's just, yeah, yeah. without so gonna, point. I definitely, I'm looking forward to seeing this movie again, but that's, I'll see if anything kind of resonates more with me the second time around. But that's one I have I might no go idea. in deep in some google reddit rabbit hole to try to figure out its origin story just for my own personal where it came from yeah because it sounds like something that wasn't even in the original poem too no and neither was the house with the woman but that was based yeah. in, in a tale of some kind is in something it kind of worked mm -hmm. and so, so yeah we... they go to the yeah they go to the manor yeah 
where there's a, a lord played by a great Joel Edgerton. Oh, the... a gruff, yeah, gruff um, man of this random manner in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. um, with a wife who looks exactly like his love at home who's under his social status, so he doesn't never gives her the time of day of an actual relationship. Mm-hmm. And a woman who I don't know if is played by the same actress as his mother, but mm-hmm. resembles her quite a ma- quite a lot with the bandages around her eye, exactly yeah. like she was when she was summoning mm-hmm. that. What did you make of this scene? I didn't like it. <laughs> You didn't like it? Well, I mean, I didn't really like a lot of the movie because I just felt lost. But I I just couldn't, like, he seemed, you know, when, like, I don't know. Like, the logic, when I read the poem, it just felt very, like, the whatever, the translation or mm-hmm. of a poem, it just felt very, in the, Quick recap, I can barely remember, but in the poem, they, the lord or the hunter and the wife make a deal is that he goes out and hunts every day and mm-hmm. every day he'll bring him back something that he's hunted and he will give him something he's gained at the castle, which seems like a very strange bargain because what could he possibly gain at the castle that the lord doesn't already have? But yeah. his wife tries to be with him and in, instead of sleeping with her, they exchange kisses. So on day one, he like exchanges one kiss with the the woman of the manor. And when the Lord comes home and brings him wild boar or something, he exchanges it with one kiss. And then in day two, she gets he gets two kisses from the woman of the manor. And the same thing is an exchange. And on the third day, in addition to the kisses, she gets the girl he gets the girdle from her, which is meant to mm-hmm. protect him against any kind of death or dangerous circumstance he might find himself in and at the end of the trip instead of telling the hunter and lord that he received this he lies and says that he only received the kisses and that in which hinges in his cowardice of not giving that back and why he ends up in the situation with the knight with the green knight and so that's just a very clear fable like it just makes a lot of sense is like his cowardice of needing that he feels to survive the encounter with the green knight you know after all the journey so far says a lot about his character. But when I read that, I was like, that's what that scene was trying to do. Like there's no woman with the blindfold, which clearly this is a manifestation of his mother. So why do we need her as a physical representation in that scene? I think, I think there wasn't the original fable, was she not? No. Or there was more, Morgana was there. Oh, maybe, maybe that, maybe that's why. Yeah. But because that's the first in the original fable, his mother's not Morgana. But she is the creator of that manner kind of thing. Yes. It just felt like if you walked but in. Yeah. It's a more complicated version of that. Yeah. And they the, don't just worry about his cowardice, but his his shame. And the stakes as well. aren't clear to me. They're very not clear. Like you okay, so you walk into a place, Lauren Lady, you know, you've been through some crazy shit. You've just seen giants, and they're like, oh no, you don't have to continue your request. Just hang out and stay here all day. I'd be like, you're probably lying to me and you look exactly like the prostitute I was sleeping with. I'm out. Like, why are you this trusting is... these people? Like, it doesn't, he just kind of plays into it as like, oh, I kind of have it sweet. I'm going to chill out for four days and then go hit the green night on the last day. I think that's it. I think that's him taking the easy way out. 
the easy road set before him, which is unremarkable and without honor. Got it. And then when his honor gets tested again and again, it's another... The temptation has grown so far because she, I'm assuming, you know, it's a mythical manner created by his mother. Yeah. Who is there. This, this, how disguised, I can't remember, but there. Yeah. Um, creates this image of his love at home, but puts her into a lady's, mm-hmm. gives him the one thing he wants, which yeah. is her as a highborn person. Yeah. But remove that by having her throw herself at him. But the chivalric code that he supposedly should live by says that he should not do anything with her. Right. And it's not till she offers him something of great value that he succumbs to yeah. his shame and everything like that. Yeah. And he runs. And I just, yeah, like the, the idea, yeah, the idea that she offers him that even though he lost it to the bandit, you know, like it just felt like a hinge point that the poem made very clear, which is that she gave that to him and he should have disclosed that to the Lord and he didn't. And that would have affected the rest, but it didn't really make sense because they took it, they took it a different route with the green knight. I get it. But, and I'm never entirely sure because he gives back his catch of the day. The Fox, which is the Fox. Right. Um, Despite him not returning anything but a kiss. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't give back the sash. He, he's, you know, I wouldn't even say he gave back a kiss. He had a gift, gift taken back from him. Yes, yes. <laughs> and he's given the fox in return. Mm-hmm. Which also made me confused because we're like, is, if this is some sort of, you know, apparition seemingly by his mother mm-hmm. and at first i didn't even think that because you know he gets the fox back which seems to be captured which is you know possessed by his mother to keep an eye on him obviously mm-hmm. we learn later on i always assumed they were some sort of spirit that just lived in the woods that he was a you know a god of the woods or something like that yeah especially I think there's a scene, a scene that I love, which is when he leaves, when he runs and leaves, tries to escape, and he's going through the woods, and there's just dead bodies and dead animals everywhere. Like, the Lord has gone and killed everything, trying to find the best thing for him. It's just a very, I don't know what it amounts to, but it's a very striking image, and very, like... I honestly forget that part. That's crazy. <laughs> it's every, like, something's wrong. When he's running, wait, at... When, when, when he's running through the woods, right before he encounters the Lord of the Manor. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. When he's going through it, he's like, there's dead bears and dead deer. Yeah. Just like, yeah. with arrows in them, strewn about. Yeah. Like he's, the Lord's like, okay, I killed that. All right, what's the next thing? I killed that. Right. And it kind of also goes towards this idea that, you know, this, this, fable this myth of like the hunters like the great hunters this who caught this you know there's a perverse nature of him where he's killed you know it's not like oh i've caught this mischievous fox spirit that i'm going to return to you kind of thing he's murdered everything else looking for the better thing 
Interesting. They, they don't really tell that in the fable. It's more, yeah. he got the fox rather than that. Right. It's, a, it's something that just like twinged at me. But yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of interesting things with that one. But I think it's my least favorite of the three. Yeah. Because at that point, I think it's the movie's going a little long and it's you're resetting. Yeah. And it's a slow build up to that. And you don't really know what the payoff really is. Yeah. And yeah, the crescendo is all like leading to this experience with the Green Knight. And you're already in the movie like an hour 45 or whatever at that point. Yeah. Right. So like you're kind of like, let's let's be like, get, let's get to the night. And so many of the sequences are beautifully shot, but they're also long, like. They give this like atmospheric yeah. landscape, which it really brings you in. But it there's so many scenes like that that it really drags at that point. I think they maybe just needed to be aware of I like think at the an hour and a half mark when you're restarting at the manor. Yeah, and again, like he doesn't learn anything. Like you don't see like a progression of moral. You know, he just kind of keeps failing. It seems like a little bit. And yeah, I feel like he gets better yeah well i mean at the end with the sash even right like uh, certainly yeah yeah he it's even throughout the film like i feel like he goes from you know kind of being very unknightly yeah to at least being you know being like okay i'm you know going to be a good person in this and then avoiding temptation avoiding temptation and then even when he tries and crumbles he flees yeah yeah um that's true but yeah it's it's that's the messiest one um in my opinion which is too bad because that's the one that actually had the most subject matter to base it the on the most direct well, the most subject matter and i think the most direct um i don't know juice yeah. for his personal yeah story exactly life. yeah anyway so then we um, finally get to the green knight we get to the green knight he waits for him to awake on Christmas Day. Yeah. Which was nice because I was 100% certain that it was all a trick and him being a day away was a lie and thought yeah. he was going to come in and he'd not be there. Yeah. Um, so he gets there. The fox tells him, don't go. Mm-hmm. Well, the fox don't is, go. I feel like, giving him the final easy way out. Like, he's just like, just I go think, home. Just go home. I think the fox... By his, um, I think his mother figures out at that point that he's failed the trial. Right. One of two things is going to happen. He is going to be a coward, and that is going to define his entire life at this point. Mm -hmm. Or he is going to find his bravery and die. You think so? I I read that part a little bit differently. I felt like even though it all feels like a manifestation of his mother's, like he has the sash back at that point, right? Mm-hmm. So like if she is him, is the fox, like he would essentially, I mean, you're right, as coward, as a coward, but he would have that to protect him. So for me, that felt like they sort of started to see him evolve as like his his morality and his bravery evolved to the point where yeah. they're like, you're still kind of in it. Like, just come home. Like, it's fine. Just go home. And that would have been his easy way out is like, I'm over this and I'm just going to go home. This. But instead, 
he he goes to meet his fate, which he very well knows could be death. Mm-hmm. But who knows? Who, you know, he he doesn't know. He he just doesn't know. Yeah, because he's been told this will protect him. But when an axe is against your head, it's a very different feeling, I would imagine. Yep. Which is about basically whether the that's situation. actually going to work. So, what did you think of the hypothetical future? The hypothetical future. Um, when we got to that point, I had no idea how they were going to wrap up this movie. I know. I had no idea. And then when he runs, I'm like, where are we going here? I know. And then as we montage forward and it becomes more affecting and Cummings back, I think that's, for me, 100% the best scene of the movie. And it made, and that's what makes me rethink every single thing that comes before it. What do you mean? Well, I think up to that point, you know, I'm still thinking of these as like, you know, mythical but morality tales. Right. Kind of thing. And then when you have that hypothetical and, you know, if he runs, he turns into a, he's every way, every decision is going to take the coward's way out. Yeah. And he's going to be an awful king and he's going to be an awful husband. Right. And he's going to lose his son yeah. and die in a crumbling kingdom yeah. one day. And that's when it goes from me to be more of like, you know, the little things start kind of more clicking together about him taking the easy way out along the way. Right. And the, like the little things, which I just assume was part of the narrative kind of feels more of a whole now in retrospect than they did at the time. Got it. Um, or, you know, I didn't really think too much. I just thought him being a jerk of being like, oh, what can you give me for getting your head? Kind of becomes more of a commentary on this, this weird coming of age tale because it's rare that someone comes of age right before they die. Yeah. Um, so, you know, not really coming of age, but, and then, yeah. And then as that's happening and I'm wondering how this whole thing's going to come to an end, we jot back and then he takes it off. It takes the sash off. Yeah. And kind of finally accepts, accepts the idea that if, you know, you can have stories about you and that, but if you don't live with honor, you're going to die either way. Yeah. And then, you know, you know, I start thinking of, okay, there's this being of nature and this man has been, it's been about how is he going to outwit the night at the end or defeat the night or something like that, or get out of it. Mm-hmm. And it's not about that. It's about, you know, that's the, he's marching towards the end of his life and how the green knight, is nature and Mark's birth of a new person and then the death of someone and how you choose to, and how he's still able to choose how he dies despite the time frame not really caring when he dies, but how he dies. Got All it. these little things sort of come into focus and play at that point, which I think are fascinating that I just didn't get while you know, in that in the raft of the stream as I'm watching this movie being propelled forward, mm-hmm. you kind of like, oh, okay, there was a lot of more interesting things than I initially took on surface level going on along this movie. So you took the ending, so he whips off the sash of protection, mm-hmm. and then the knight says, "So off with your head," and then it ends. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. and you think the Green Knight killed him? Yeah. Which is think... not the poem at all. <laughs> well, the poem ends with cowardice. He yes. returns and bears his shame for the rest of his life. Yes. And I think that's kind of what the movie was showed at the beginning. Yeah. Got the it. The alternative. Him not being protected by it, but him more... Being destroyed by not, it inside. Yeah. It's not just being... You know, you have that moment of him him running. Yeah. Pure cowardice. Yeah. And then him back and accepting it. He's like, okay, I'm ready. Yeah. Before him remembering about the sash, being like, but is it still brave to face death when you're not really? Yeah. Is there any difference between the two? Right. And him him making that decision of like, wait. Yeah. And you wonder if it's going to be back to cowardice, but he makes the true brave decision to be like, no. Right. I can now face death. Yeah. And, and I think there was... I mean, I love the I love the Green Knight. I think he's funny. Yes. He's like he, the design and everything, and the mm-hmm. the characterization they gave him could have been so bland. And I think he's just a great little character, like full of like humor and everything like that. Yeah. And it makes me think back to what he says, kind of at the beginning, of like, you know, you can nick me or wound me fatally, but I will return that to you in a year. And then I think he says something after, and I forget the exact wording, but it's like. And then we will embrace as friends or something like that. It would be like, you know, it's a game, you know, you'll do me, I'll do you. And then we'll ha ha it off. Yeah. And, you know, there was a time where it could have been embracing the world and nature and how life goes. And, you know, he just found that out perhaps a little too late. And that's why I also thought his mother was trying to stop him from actually going there. Yes, that's that does make sense. But she shouldn't like, have okay, set you're up this insane ready. trial then in the first place. Because yeah. for a story that has so many references to people's identity being tethered to the, the stories that people tell about us and not necessarily the truth, like, I know it, this isn't like a retelling of the original poem, but how do you tell his story, Gawain's story, when he dies out there? Like, all the things that have happened to them, all those, you know, amazing, fantastical things would die with that person. You know, like, you'd never... And I think that's that's part of it. That's yeah. why he takes off the sash, because he could live. He could, quote-unquote, take the blow mm-hmm. and apparently be protected by it. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't improve him as a person. No. It wouldn't be brave. He would be still living with the same shame he felt when he struck him and spent that year having people all across the land hear about Sir Gawain slaying the green knight who interrupted, who marched in and faced down the knights of the round table. Yeah. And this young knight killed him. And so, well then maybe my qualms are really with just the retelling of it. And for a story that's not super clear to take your own moral side, side trip to the original (laughs) already very, like understandable story was too much it was just too it's a very frustrating movie at times okay <laughs> and that's why i so I'm that we can agree with that and that's why i want that's why i want to like rewatch it i'll be like i'll either 
be just as frustrated now after having like a lot of time to really digest it and it's you know as a vision of life and death and births and deaths and whatever yeah but yeah there's it's it's an interesting movie and the movie just needed to be half an hour shorter and yeah the pacing had to be improved and a few other like small narrative things needed to be improved for me to consider this movie as a movie about moral myth life and death and decision making because what took me out of that was like trying to find a thread of narration being bored by the overall slow pacing of it and just never really knowing what we were getting out of it for it to end so so abruptly for such a long movie too i just it wasn't a movie that I sat with. I'm just like, what? Like when it ended, I just needed so much more because I hadn't processed all the things that we're talking about to end on that moment of like him choosing to be defined by that. But yeah, there was, there was very interesting like movie making decisions and interesting direction and beautiful photography, but other things technically needed to be changed for me to enjoy those things. I think. No, it's like we kind of said, it's very slow paced it's very it doesn't and it doesn't give you a lot of answers i kind of said at the beginning it it doesn't give you it's kind of at that weird point where you know if this is the two and a half hour version of this movie it might give you more satisfying you know little pieces of it or if it's the hour and 45 version of this movie it gives you more Adventure? More things to actively think about. Yeah. It's that moment where I had troubles with it when I first, when, you know, on my first and only viewing so far, that I'm kind of, it has enough narrative movement for me to be looking for narrative answers, which I don't get. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't leave, it doesn't leave it off in a, in a big enough ambiguous place where I'm actively thinking of the the themes I'm getting out of it. Yeah. It ends it ends all these little pieces in this weird area where it feels unsatisfying narratively. Mm-hmm. And I haven't been, it's been too long to be still processing the bigger overall themes, which are many. Yes. Yes. And it's hard to really grasp onto one or two. Yeah. Yeah. So it becomes, it becomes a hard movie to, really process in the moment which is why again i i think i liked enough of it and this is my you know favorite type of movie that you know i really want to go see it again and really really see it now that i'm now that i know what the movie's doing yes yes and i can i pull the more threads as we're going or ask those questions as i'm moving rather than expecting something else yes um all right so to wrap up just because of my general confusion and not necessarily loving the experience i'm only going to give it 2.5 um i am very i'm undecided (laughs) shocking i fear i feel like in a week i'm either going to give this movie a a 4 or 4.5 out of 5 Mm -hmm. or like a 2.5 out of 5. Uh-huh. Two, maybe 3. Maybe 3. Okay, you're going to get a 3 right now? I'll give it I'll give it a 3. I'll give it a 3.5 right now. If okay. I, you asked me like 2 days ago, I would have when I came out, I probably would have said 2.53. Uh 
but I've just been doing nothing but think about this movie. And last night I just got under like a good rabbit hole of like, like rereading this, a couple good synopsis, reading about um, like St. Winifred and her like whole tale and everything like that. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I'm like, oh, well, I'm thinking about this now and this now. I know this, this is now. me on the car ride home. And Scott's like, so what was it really about? I'm like, so many things, dude. Like so many things this movie was about that you didn't get at face value, like right as you watched it. Yeah. And I'm interested because I don't know if you read this well. Um, um, well, like if you've read anything about this or are looking at it, it does pull a very mirror format to The Last Temptation of Christ, which is a great movie. And it's very interesting that it, you know, whether it's a direct reference or not, seeing their life in a different way before the end and then coming back to it is a very, is what they do, what, you know, The Last Temptation does. And so you're now you're thinking of like, all right, are we going for Christ allegories here? Yeah. Like, where, like, how, like, that's something I haven't really delved into because I don't really buy it. I think it's just a, a really effective narrative device. Yeah. But, yeah, there's... I did hear that comparison, but it's been too long since I've seen that movie to compare them. But, yeah, it's but interesting. A lot, of, lot, a lot to grab onto if you so wish to grab onto those things. Absolutely. But that being said, I think enough really talented other parts of the movie definitely made me want to see his other films. So I will be yeah. doing so. Yeah. And as I mentioned, like a ghost story is a ghost story is the, when I was talking about this being a longer or a shorter film, yeah. a ghost story is the short version of this film, okay. which have just very provocative imagery of memory and relationships that leave you just thinking the whole way through. It's slow okay. and weird, but it also, just it leaves you with all those so many different thoughts of life and memory and death that it kind of always is provocative cool okay where it doesn't just languish out except for the scene where Rooney Mara eats an entire pie just one shot she just sits and eats a pie and it's great I can't wait no spoiler except for the pie scene got it no except for the pie scene got it can't wait sounds good and then for a, a departure to, I assume, the present, our movie mm-hmm. next week will be the new Nicolas Cage feature, Pig. Gotta get those truffles. <laughs> well, I think the last movie I watched with Nicolas Cage was Jiu-Jitsu, which set the bar Did you see so low, I couldn't even finish <laughs> it. And then before that, it was that insane movie with the pink glow that you and I, I think, oh, did a thing the, on. Um... The colors of space, color, or whatever yeah, it is. color, yeah, color out of space or whatever, but something like that. That yeah. was a super strange Nicolas Cage one, followed by a super terribly done Nicolas Cage one. And yeah. I will still watch this man in anything he makes. So, yeah, excited to check out Pig. I think it's newly released um, in theaters right mm-hmm. now. So we're gonna check out that one for next week. And yeah, anything else you want to add, Will? Uh, no. Enjoy, enjoy Pig. Um, and I'm very excited to just talk about more grimy movies. Yeah. Can't wait. Can't so wait. check out Pig and we'll talk to you next week. See you then. Bye.